We are marred by sin, every single one of us in this room, every single human being on earth is marred by sin. We are all sinners who have rebelled against a holy God. Even those of us who have been walking with God and walking with our Savior for decades are still sinners. And that's not too surprising when we take an honest assessment of ourselves, right? We know our hearts. We know our tendencies. As the song, Come Thou Fount, states, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That sums us up perfectly, right? We are sinners. Because that is true about each one of us sitting here today, what really should surprise us from a human standpoint, it's not when we know our God, but what should surprise us from a human standpoint is how faithful God is to each one of us. How faithful God is to His children who are sinners, who are rebellious, He is so faithful, and it should be shocking. It's staggering in one sense. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah 9. Our sermon today is titled, Remembering the Faithfulness of God. We've been in Nehemiah for almost two months now. I have been quite encouraged and quite challenged as we have been examining this book and Uh, considering what it has to say to the people of God uh, and the hope of a new beginning, the the work of renewal uh, that the Lord is doing in his people. And today we have a text that is focusing in on confession and repentance. But what is beautiful about Nehemiah 9 is so much of it is addressing how faithful God has always been to his people. So if you need hope today, if you need encouragement today, if you need joy today, and every one of us do, this text is a beautiful reminder of the faithfulness of God. I'm going to read Nehemiah 9, 1 through 37. It is a longer passage. It's, much of it is written like a psalm. Uh, and it is poetic in a lot of the text. Uh, and it's a little bit longer, but it is a beautiful, beautiful passage for us. So let's look at Nehemiah 9, starting in verse 1. On the 24th day of this month, the Israelites assembled. They were fasting, wearing sackcloth, And had put dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners. And they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers while they stood in their places. They read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day. And spent another fourth of the day in confession and worship of the Lord their God. Jeshua, Benai, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Bani, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kenai stood on the raised platform 
built for the Levites and cried out loudly to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Benai, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pathiah said, Stand up, blessed be the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You, Lord, are the only God. You created heavens, the highest heavens, with all their stars, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and all the stars of heaven worship you. You, the Lord, are the God who chose Abram out and brought him out of Ur to the Ur of the Chaldeans and changed his name to Abraham. You found his heart faithful in your sight and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites to give it to his descendants. You have fulfilled your promise, for you are righteous. You saw the oppression of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, all his officials and all his people and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly they treated our ancestors. You made a name for yourself that endures to this day. You divided the sea before them and they crossed through it on dry ground. You hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into raging water. You led them with a pillar of cloud by day and with a pillar of fire by night to illuminate the way they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them impartial ordinances, reliable instructions and good statutes and commands. You revealed your holy Sabbath to them and gave them commands, statutes, and instruction through your servant Moses. You provided bread from heaven for their hunger. You brought them water from the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in and possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But our ancestors acted arrogantly. They became stiff-necked and did not listen to your commands. They refused to listen and did not remember your wonders you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, and you did not abandon them. Even after they had cast an image of a calf for themselves and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt. And they had committed terrible blasphemies. You did not abandon them in the wilderness because of your great compassion. During the day, the pillar of cloud never turned away from them, guiding them on their journey. And during the night, the pillar of fire illuminated the way that they should go. You sent your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths and you gave them water for their thirst. You provided for them in the wilderness 40 years and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. Their feet did not swell. You gave them kingdoms and peoples and established boundaries for them. They took possession of the land of King Sihon of Heshbon and the land of King Og of Bashan. 
You multiplied their descendants like the stars of the sky and brought them to the land. You told their ancestors to go in and possess. So their descendants went in and possessed the land. You subdued the Canaanites who inhabited the land before them and handed their kings and surrounding peoples over to them to do as they pleased with them. They captured fortified cities and fertile land and took possession of well-supplied houses, cisterns out of rock, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate, were filled, became prosperous, and delighted in your great goodness. But they were disobedient rebel and rebelled against you. They flung your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them. In their time of distress, they cried out to you and you heard from heaven. In your abundant compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the power of their enemies. But as soon as they had relief, they again did what was evil in your sight. So you abandoned them to the power of their enemies who dominated them. When they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven and rescued them. Many times in your compassion, you warned them to turn back to your law. But they acted arrogantly and would not obey your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, which a person will live by if he does them. They stubbornly resisted, stiffened their necks and would not obey. You were patient with them for many years. And your spirit warned them through your prophets, but they would not listen. Therefore, you handed them over to the surrounding peoples. However, in your abundant compassion, you did not destroy them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and compassionate God. So now, our God, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant, do not view lightly all the hardships that have afflicted us, our kings and our leaders, our priests and prophets, our ancestors and all your people from the days of the Assyrian kings until today, you are righteous concerning all that has happened to us because you have acted faithfully while we have acted wickedly. Our kings, leaders, priests, and ancestors do not, did not obey your law or listen to your commands and warnings that you gave them. When they were in their kingdom with your abundant goodness that you gave them and in the spacious and fertile land that you set before them, they would not serve you or turn from their wicked ways. Here we are today, slaves in the land that you gave to our ancestors so that they could enjoy its fruit and its goodness. Here we are. Slaves in it. Its abundant harvest goes to the kings that you have set before us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and our livestock as they please. We are in great distress. Let's pray. Father, your word is good and true, and we thank you for it. We thank you for the beautiful reminders and instruction from it today. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Work in us now for your glory as we look at this text. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
a lot of declarations about God's faithfulness is what we just read through. You have done this. You have done this. You have done this. The first four verses kind of sets the stage for this. I'm not going to reread those, but they are, uh, this is a time of confession and repentance for the nation as a whole. They heard the book of the law. Remember when we looked at it uh, last week in Nehemiah 8, they heard the book of the law. Uh, they were instructed from that. And there was... Uh, Weeping initially, but the the leader said, today is a holy day to the Lord, right? Today was a day to celebrate that wasn't because weeping and confession and repentance doesn't have its place. It absolutely does. And that's where we are in Nehemiah 9. Confession and repentance, over their sins, over the sins of the nation as a whole. And so the, the people of Israel are assembled. Uh, this is near the end of the month. So their uh, feast and celebration was at the beginning of the month. And now 24 days later, they've been continuing to learn from God's law. And here they are fasting wearing sackcloth, and they had put dust on their heads, a sign of repentance, because as they've listened to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is piercing their hearts because they have sinned against a holy God. And so the sackcloth, essentially like burlap, very uncomfortable. You would not want to wear that. They're wearing clothes of burlap to to symbolize the discomfort that they feel for realizing how much they have offended their God. The dust on their head, symbolic of how impure they realize they are, how unclean they are because of their sin. And so they are confessing to God their sins, and they are demonstrating a, an act of repentance for the ways that they currently have sinned against the Holy God, but even the nation as a whole. They're looking back. The, one of the beautiful things about this passage is it kind of walks through Old Testament history, right? It starts with creation and then walks through the story of God's people in the Old Testament of all the ways that God was working and the way that the people often responded. So, that's the kind of background to this essentially psalm, which is likely recorded by Ezra. A psalm that is declaring the faithfulness of God while confessing the sin of the people. And so it is a, a way to remember how faithful God is. And so the central truth for us today is God remains faithful to his people in spite of their sins. God remains faithful to his people in spite of their sins. And that's great news for a room full of sinners, right? That we can be sure of the faithfulness of God in it all. 
God remains faithful to his people in spite of their sins. We're going to work our way through this chapter. We're not going to look at every single verse this week. Uh, We're going to pull out details. But I want to highlight the faithfulness of God that we see here. There's other things that we could even point out, but some of the really important things for us, and then the appropriate response uh, to that. So the first truth is this. God is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful to keep his promises. In verse 5 and 6, they are standing up and they are encouraging the people to stand up. The Levites are. And they are declaring, they start this psalm to declare truths about God and the way he has worked in this world and with his people. And so in verse 5 and 6, we see that God is declared as the creator of all things. That alone sets the stage. If God created all things, then God has the right to rule and instruct his people in how they should live. And then in verse 7 and 8 of Nehemiah 9, we read this. You, the Lord, and the, are the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and changed his name to Abraham. You found his heart faithful in your sight and made a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites, to give it to his descendants. You have fulfilled your promise for you are righteous. God fulfilled his promise. He promised to make Abraham, who Abraham and his wife Sarah have no children, and God promised to work in his life a miracle so that Sarah would give him a son. God promised to make his descendants like that of the stars, to make his descendants like the sand on the shore. And God fulfilled that promise. But he didn't just stop with fulfilling that promise. He fulfilled every promise that he was giving to this people. He promised this people a land. He promised to bring them into the land. And so we learn in Old Testament history how the people of God ended up in Egypt and became slaves in Egypt. And God fulfilled his promise to those people to bring them back into the land that God was promising Abraham. And so in uh, 9 through 11 uh, of this chapter, it's talking about how God has rescued the, the people of God out of Egypt. Right? He was faithful to do all of that. And then when we get to verse 15, we read this. You provide, provided bread from heaven for their hunger. You brought them water from the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in and possess the land that you had sworn to give them. God was faithful to keep his promises to his people. Right? He led them to the land that he had promised Abraham. And remember, these are sinners. You read the story of Abraham, story of Abraham and Sarah, and you think, really? That's the guy you chose? Some of the things that he did? These are sinners. But even though they were sinners, God was faithful 
to fulfill his promises that he had given them. In dealing with a rebellious people, God is faithful to keep his promises to them. It doesn't, their, their rebellion and our rebellion doesn't cause God to say, you know what, I'm done with them. I will not give them the things that I have promised. He doesn't take those back. And that is true for us today. That doesn't mean, hey, you've got, a, you've, you've got an open door to do whatever you want. That we should still follow God in obedience. But we can be certain that even as sinners, God is going to be faithful to his promises. He will. He's going to keep His word to finish what he started in you and what he started in me. He's going to keep his word to keep us until the end. He's going to keep his word to prepare a place for us. He's going to keep his word to send Jesus back to set everything right again. And he's going to keep his word to dwell with us again for eternity. Why? Because God is a promise keeper. He will be faithful to keep his promises to his people. So, church, let's remember that. This is our God, right? Let's remember that God is faithful to keep his promises. And we especially need to remember that on days when we remember just how sinful we are. We need the hope and encouragement of, but God's not through with me. And God is going to be faithful. And we need that for our church too. The reminder, God's not through with us. And he's going to be faithful to us. There's no doubt of that. The second truth is this. God is faithful to forgive his people. God is faithful to forgive his people. In verse 16 and 17. But our ancestors acted arrogantly. They became stiff-necked and did not listen to your commands. They refused to listen and did not remember your wonders that you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. And you did not abandon them. After all that God had been done to be faith, uh, all that God had done to be faithful to His people, we see here the first contrast of this passage, and there's several more throughout the rest of the passage. God was faithful to His people, but God's people were not faithful to Him. Right? Uh, they sinned against God. They wouldn't listen to God's commands. They even wanted to go back into slavery. God had rescued them from the life that they were crying out for relief from and then decided, you know what, maybe it would be better if we were back there. They were a rebellious people and yet God is faithful to forgive Right? We are so unlike God. God here is described as faithful, compassionate, forgiving. 
In that sense, like in this scenario, we likely would say, oh, you want Egypt? You got it. Go back. Fine. I'm done with you. That's not who our God is. Even though his people were stubborn, stiff-necked, rebellious, God is a forgiving God. He's faithful to forgive. Dane Ortland says it this way. He is a billionaire in the currency of mercy. And the withdrawals that we make as we sin through this life cause his fortune to grow greater, not less. How can that be? Because mercy is who he is. Mercy is who he is. In his overflowing mercy towards us, church, we see over and over again that God is faithful to forgive us. And we need that as a rebellious people. We need to be reminded God's faithful. Think about Luke 15. When we went through the Gospel of Luke, we we looked at Luke 15, that passage on the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and then the, the longer part of that passage, the prodigal son. And what do we see over and over and over in those stories? A reminder that there is rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents, right? When people come back to their God, there is joy in heaven, Rejoicing among the angels that sinners have come back to their God. That is a reminder that as sinners, God delights to forgive us. It brings heaven joy for us to receive forgiveness. The fact that Jesus Christ came and died for us for our sins, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, is proof that God is faithful to forgive His people. And so, church, let's remember that. And let's seek forgiveness when we sin against a holy God. The third truth from Nehemiah 9 is God is faithful to have compassion on His people. God is faithful to have compassion on his people. Here, I want us to first, I'm just going to pull out a few of these verses. First, to look at uh, the contrast that continues of how God's people continued to respond, even though God was faithful. And so, in verse 19, I'm sorry, in verse 18, verse 26 and 29, we read this about God's people, even after they had cast an image of a calf for themselves and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. And they committed terrible blasphemies in verse 26. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They flung your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed terrible blasphemies in 29 You warned them to turn back to your law, but they acted arrogantly and would not obey your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, which a person will live by if he does them. They stubbornly resisted, stiffened their necks, and would not obey. So just in those three verses, we see the people of God 
created an idol and decided to worship the golden calf as their God who had delivered them. They ignored God's law. They killed prophets that God had sent them to warn them to come back to Him. They acted arrogantly. They wouldn't obey Him. They sinned against Him. And we hear that story, and oftentimes the first thought is, what was wrong with them? And yet, the question really should be, what's wrong with us? Because that's our story. We're sinners, and we rebel against God. But let's not forget that God remains faithful to His people. That's who He is, right? He remains faithful to His people in spite of their sins. So let's look now at the way God continues to be described. Verse 19 You did not abandon them in the wilderness because of your great compassion. During the day, the pillar of cloud never turned away from them, guiding them on their journey. And during the night, the pillar of fire illuminated the way that they should go. Verse 27. So you handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them. But in their time of distress, they cried out to you and you heard from heaven. In your abundant compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the power of their enemies. And verse 31, however, in your abundant compassion, you did not destroy them or abandon them. For you are a gracious and compassionate God. In all the rebellion, God never threw up his hands and called it off. For his people, and he still does not, right? God is faithful to have compassion on his people. That's who he is. We look at the ministry of Jesus. It was a ministry of compassion for his people. Jesus saw the hurting, he saw the sin ravaged, he saw the unclean, he saw the broken people in this world who'd made a mess of things because of their sins. And he was moved with compassion towards them. He's moved with compassion towards you and me. Right? That compassion drove Jesus to the cross. Why? Because God is a God of compassion. He's faithful to have compassion on his people. So, when you're beat down... When you're worn out, when you're tired of fighting with sin over and over again and having doubts and having questions, let's remember that God is faithful to have compassion on His people. And lastly, God is faithful to hear His people's prayers. God is faithful to... To hear his people's prayers. So after recounting uh, all the ways that God has been faithful to his people in spite of their sins against them. They now are going to turn to asking God's favor. Asking God to continue in his faithfulness to them. Not because they deserve it. And we're going to see that. But because of who God is. Right? God, you are always faithful. 
And so even though we have done all of these things, would you please continue to be faithful to your people? Verse 32 and 33. So now, our God, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God who keeps His gracious covenant, do not view lightly all the hardships that have afflicted us. Our kings and leaders, our priests and prophets, our ancestors and all your people from the day of the Assyrian kings until today. You are righteous concerning all that has happened to us because you have acted faithfully while we have acted wickedly. And then skipping down to 36 and 37. Here we are today. Slaves in the land that you gave our ancestors so that they can enjoy its fruit and its goodness. Here we are, slaves in it. Its abundant harvest go to the kings that you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and our livestock as they please. We are in great distress. So they call on God who is always faithful to his people. They call on God who is the covenant keeping God. And they say, would you take note of the situation that we are in? And verse 33 is such a central verse to this whole chapter. You are righteous and concerning all that has happened to us. Because you have acted faithfully while we have acted wickedly. So they're asking God to be faithful to them, but they're not doing so because they're saying how great they have been. They're admitting their sins. They're confessing. God, you have always been faithful to us, and we have been wicked. We've rebelled, right? And so they are now saying, we are in distress and we are crying out to you, God. Based off of who you've proved yourself to be over and over and over again throughout our whole history, you have proven to be faithful to sinners when, you, when they turn to you. And so would you please be faithful to us now because we need you. Right? They are crying out to Him in repentance. We've acted wickedly, God. And when God's people cry out in repentance, we can be certain that God hears them. God will hear their prayers and will answer them. We've referenced this often. Brother Ronnie mentions it many times when we have our prayer time in our services. Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. We have this promise from God's Word. And my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then... I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. I will hear from heaven. And that truth is grounded. Now, God hears our prayers. This specific truth, this promise from God's Word, is grounded in repentance. Repentance. 
when God's people will own their sin, turn back to God and repent, turn from their evil ways, turn from their sinfulness, God will hear from heaven and he will forgive them. That is a promise from God's word. And the fear for us, the fear for sinful people who rebel against a holy God, especially when you sin and you say, I'll never do it again, God, please forgive me. And then you sin again in the same way and you, God, I'll never do it again, please forgive me. The fear is one day, maybe one day, God's going to say, you know what, I'm done with you. Satan wants us to believe that. But that's not who our God is. God will always hear his people when we turn to him in repentance, when we turn to him and confess our sins. God will hear us and God will forgive us. And what that means is we can own up to our sins. We don't have to downplay them. We don't have to compare ourselves. Well, but I'm not like them. We don't have to deny them. We can actually own up to our sins because we have the promise from God's word that he is faithful to his people in spite of their sins. God will always be faithful to us, church. So today, in this beautiful passage from Nehemiah 9, we are reminded of that very important truth for us. A truth that we need to hold on to daily, that God is always faithful to his people in spite of their sins. And if you're here today and do not have a relationship with God, if you're here today and are thinking, but I don't even, I don't even know how I could be forgiven for the things that I have done, We want you to know that you can have a relationship with God. You can experience the forgiveness of sins if you would turn to God in repentance and believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins. And if you do that, God's Word promises that you're brought into the family of God. You're adopted into the family of God. Your sins are forgiven. And you can be certain... That God will be faithful to you all of your life, no matter what. Because God is always faithful to his people. And church, first, what a faithful God we have. Amen? What a faithful God we have. We want spiritual renewal. We want restoration. In, the, in our own hearts and in the life of Dogwood Church, let's remember, first and foremost, that no matter what has happened, God has always been and will always be faithful to us. Because that's who He is. And since that's true, let's remember that as a fact, that He's faithful to His people. Let's praise Him for that, let's draw close to him again in prayers of confession, admitting where we're wrong and asking forgiveness and knowing 
God will remain faithful. Knowing that our God, the Lord our God, is a gracious and compassionate God. That's who He is. And so as we continue to turn back to Him, we can be sure that He will be faithful to us and He will renew us and restore us for our good and for His glory. Now, I'm going to, for our closing prayer, do something that is not common practice at all at Dogwood Church. It may make some of you uncomfortable. I think it's appropriate with the text where we're seeing the people of God admitting, God, we're sinners and we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need your renewal. We need, we need your restoration. And so the card that I asked the deacons to pass out to you, I would like you to get that. And if you were comfortable with it, what I would ask is as I read this for our closing prayer, I would ask that you join us in that prayer out loud. You pray with me. If you don't feel comfortable reading it out loud, would you at least read along as we read this prayer of confession, admitting to God that we are sinners who need forgiveness. I'll lead us, but please, if you feel comfortable with it, would you join me in this prayer of confession? Almighty God and Father, we confess to you, to one another, and to the whole company of heaven that we have sinned through our own fault in thought and word and deed and in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon us. Forgive us our sins and by the power of your Holy Spirit, raise us up to serve you in newness of life. To the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you. Would you please stand? The team is going to come. The worship team is going to come and lead us in our closing song of praise.